Holy crap. A new introduction to the podcast. But for real, though, the rest of it will come after this. I just want to thank you guys. Um, All the five-star ratings that we're getting on all the podcast apps is awesome. And I appreciate it when I hear people telling me that someone else told them about the podcast. So you guys rock. Uh, Listen to the commercials or skip by them. It's cool. And your episode's on its way. Today's podcast is brought to you by AssaultLimited.com. Even when you aren't saying anything, you're saying something. Let your gear say the right thing for you. That's where Assault Limited comes in. Assault Limited offers tactical versions of things you use every day. The Assault Pen is a great quality, intimidating looking pen with a pinpoint tip used for self-defense or to break glass. The Assault Spork has so many different tactical uses, we only have time to highlight a few. It's a spoon, a fork, a wrench, a carabiner, and a bottle opener. The possibilities are endless. The Assault Pencils and the Assault Straws... Well, they both look pretty badass, and they both tell political correctness to take a long jump off a short bridge. When you need things and you want them to be the best quality while issuing a statement to anyone else who sees, look at AssaultLimited.com. Also sponsoring today's podcast is Urban Savage, U-R-B-N-S-V-G.com. The best quality apparel available. American-made t-shirts and sweatshirts that fit great with the quality that will outlast the creepy battery bunny. The Date Night Tee, which is the badass's version of the subtle embroidered logo t-shirt that so many of us grew up with. And the hats are 100% American made, not just embroidered here like so many others. Ooh, and those sweatshirts are so damn comfy. The next time you're thinking about scoring a new piece of gear, remember to check out urbnsvg.com. Last but not least, today's podcast is brought to you by A3 Body Protectant. A3 was designed when Martin noticed that Hawaiian surfers who spend their entire lives in the sun had radiant, healthy skin. After plenty of awkward questions about how seriously they take their skin care, he learned the secrets. Hawaii's best kit secret is now available at A3Equip.com. That's a 3 EQUIP.com. A3 is a truly natural cream that can be used as a skin lotion, a lip balm, a hair conditioner, honestly, anywhere you want to keep moist and healthy. Get yours today at A3EQUIP.com. Proceed with caution. All doctors to the ER. Do these guys have any idea what they are talking about? Talking about? Talking about? Get squared away. Spiritual. Get squared away. Emotional. Get squared away. Mental. Get squared away. Physical. The podcast that'll help you get squared away. All right, we are back with another episode of the Squared Away podcast. And uh, it is now official. If you care about trafficking kids, then you are a right-wing conservative nut job. QAnon. You're a QAnon. QAnon. I don't. I have no clue whatever the connection that is. But have you seen some of the uh, headlines that are out there? What is it? Your uh, Rolling Stone says if you um, like the movie Sound of Freedom, apparently they're you're a dad with uh, some brainworm problem. What, what is a brainworm? I did not see that one. A bra- a dad with a brainworm. Yeah, a dad with uh, brainworm issues. Interesting. I don't know what that is. I so, mean, like a tapeworm. I was, uh, yeah, who the fuck knows? So I was trying to explain this to my mom and I'm trying to explain to her. I'm like, okay, she, cause she, she's, you know, are you going to go see the movie? I'm like, I'm like, we're fucking, I'm, yes, I'll see it, but I'm not going to go to the theaters to see it. I'll wait until, I'll wait until it comes out. Yeah. And, uh, well, so here I'll, ex- I'll ex- explain to you what I was trying to explain to my mom. My mom's like, starts talking about it. And my mom is stuck in the right wing conservative echo chamber on Facebook. 
and this is the majority of where she spends her time that she's not working. And then I'll get like, I'll get the memes, right? And, it, and I don't, by, by meme, I don't mean like she sends me memes. What I mean is like, you know, the, the, the popular idea of the, the right wing Facebook pages, all of a sudden she'll start asking me about it because in, in her echo chamber, that is all she's hearing, you know, and it'll be like right now it's, it's this whole sound of freedom thing. And I understand the premise of what CNN is trying to say but they're completely off by what they're interpreting it to or, or, or not interpreting it to what they're uh, how they're pertaining it to. So yes, there is a trend in the conservative talking groups to start being worried about um, trafficking and the child sex trade, which let's face it is a multi-billion dollar industry when it comes to pornography and sex trade and stuff like that. So we, this isn't an, an, an issue that deserves us to be worried about, but humanists understand that and have been worried about it for a long fucking time. You know, when, when we started hearing about the Epstein stuff and when we started hearing about the, the, the baby's blood to give, you know, quote unquote, baby's blood issue. Um, we started worrying about that originally because we're humanists. And, and especially when you see a kid that suffers, like that's one of those things where you can't really put that on anyone else other than the fucking demons that have done it. So take that, separate that completely from what's going on now. And what's going on now is all of a sudden you do have this issue becoming memed. And it's become it's becoming trendy and the people that are that are getting behind it. A portion of them are getting behind it because they care and a portion of them are getting behind it just because it is trendy. And. That is what CNN is is basing their their idea on, but then they're taking that and they're extrapolating it out a hundred times to make it this big straw man argument. Right. Because it doesn't matter if it's trendy or not, you should fucking care. And if trend is what makes people start to pay attention to the issue then hey that's what makes people start to pay attention to the issue yeah i mean from from my point of view i guess it's a little different because i'm involved with that there's there's a lot of veterans that are involved with uh child rescues and it's not just from trafficking but you know right now there's involvement in um getting rid of uh some of these pedos so um and how that's done isn't what probably some of the movies are showing where you're busting in. And just to disclaim that I did see Sound of Freedom, I did take my son to see it because um, I wanted him to understand uh, what is happening and also, you know, what some of the stuff, you know, dad's involved with just in case, you know, someday I don't come home or something. So, so let me just, you know, put that there. I mean, Sound of Freedom, just for listeners, and uh, if there's a spoiler alert, I'm sorry. This is actually a true story that if you look online, it's, no, it's there. I mean, it was filmed five years ago. And five years ago, it was filmed by Fox Studios, right? So Tim, the story about Tim Ballard, Tim Ballard was a DHS guy, um, basically assigned to um, these trafficking cases, but it wasn't to um, recover kids. It was basically to... Um, at the border, if they, you know, find these traffickers, book them, and 
you know, some undercover work to kind of, I don't want to say entice, but to basically, that's how they catch them is to almost pretend that, you know, you're going to be buying kids. So you get these buyers out, bust them and that's it. Problem is it with Ballard, he never recovered a child and he got into a situation where he had to make a decision because it's like, yeah, it's a job that imagine you would have that job as a parent and you would just see these perpetrators and then boom, you never ever um, find a child. Well, he was at that point and then he had this opportunity to rescue two of the children and that's basically what the story is about. So they recorded it, um, Fox was backing it and uh, Disney ended up buying it and shelving the movie, he didn't want it to be released. So, um, Angel Studios, who also done the series that's been really popular called The Chosen, which is basically, uh, like a biblical, uh, what do you call it? Representation, kind of like the Passion of the Christ, but did it in a TV series. So Angel Studios is a crowdfunded group. So they actually, um, got Disney to release that to them. And then this is what the big release is about. So I think it hit about probably close to 60 million now. Um, in ticket sales and that was a 14 and a half million uh, budget film so i don't think i gave away much of anything there but that's if you want to look it up it's a story about tim ballard and i think he's been now on the podcast circuits talking about this it's just a story doesn't have anything about you know q and on or any propaganda it's just hey this is what's happening out there so um you know some of what i do on the side is you know, I've seen what's happening in the border. Uh, I've told you about it too. So it's it's a mess down at the border right now, and there's a lot of avenues and for kids to be coming across. And there's a you know, like you were saying, Paul, it's 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 big money, and not just big money with the the children. It's big money and with the drugs that come along with that, and a lot of it is cartel influence too. A lot of it is. There's a lot of government officials. There's a lot of celebrities um, that would shock people that are involved with it. And there's more than just Epstein's Island that's out there. There's other islands. So it's a, it's, it's a very dark, evil place. And, you know, I will say, I mean, I've seen the children. And um, it's stuff that, you know, sometimes I... I was telling somebody the other day, is like, man, I got home, I, I couldn't sleep. Could not sleep because there's this look on these kids that you just cannot explain. And, and that's just minimal for me because I, I'm thinking about, well, what are these kids thinking? Imagine there's a lot of situations in some cases where, like Sound of Freedom refers to as, um, they will go into another country like Honduras and, or can, um, Colombia. And they'll tell parents like, hey, your kid or your two kids look like they could be models, right, for this, uh, for a modeling agency. So why don't you bring them by the, this, you know, blah, blah place or apartment and we're having auditions, but they're all day auditions, right? So you drop your kids off and be like, well, um, you can't be in there. Parents can't be in there. So you have, you know, 20 kids in these auditions and their parents are thinking, oh, this is cool. And they tell you, oh, come back and pick your kid up at 7 p.m. And then they come back and guess what? There's nobody there. Place is ghost. Place is ghosted. And your kids are gone. 
and these kids are either trafficked, you know, um, locally, very few, or they're literally put on a last container ship with a vent on and shipped to another country and basically are sold because, you know, they do bring it up in the movie and this is the sexy part of child, you know, that's probably the wrong word to put it, but the profitable side of child trafficking is that compared to drugs is with drugs, guess what? You use it, it's gone. And then you got to, you know, manufacture, produce, you know, some more to sell it. Well, you can take a five to nine year old and basically they get sex trafficked, basically raped and, you know, uh, five to 10 times a day and used and used and used and used until they turn, you know, whatever, you know, we, the one recovery we had with the gal here, literally local was, she was 21 years old. So it's uh it's an ugly world, but it exists. It's a reality. And, um, you know, I, like I said, it's, it's heartbreaking, but I just, I still cannot even put in words what these, kids are probably thinking because you're all of a sudden you're gone from your parents and there you are and you're just being pushed around like meat by other people and once you're rescued still you're you're not with your parents because a lot of times it's a it's a long way there's not a lot of funding to help these kids get back to where they need to go and to find their parents so so that's why there's there's programs out there. I'll put one out there is uh, Operation Underground Railroad, if anybody's familiar with them. Oh, you are. Uh, if not, look them up. Um, like I said, there's V4CR, Veterans for Child Rescue. So there's a lot of groups out there. If you look, you will find them. So, sorry, man. That's my long rant for the uh, for that movie. Well, so the thing is, is like, it's weird, right? Because everything that you said is happening. It's true. It's real. It deserves our utmost concern. Um, but then there's a lot of people that are going to use it and they are going to try to profit off of it, whether it's financial profit or it's their ego profit. And they're going to play it up and make it everything seem like a conspiracy theory behind it, right? Like oh, yeah. Disney shelved it. They didn't want it to be released. They wanted to bury it. They didn't, they didn't want you to see this movie. Well, yeah, that is pretty fucking unlikely since they sold it to the other company to release it. It's a lot more likely that Disney didn't think it was going to be profitable. And they didn't want to put the money behind it to release it to then lose money so both are possibilities but the more realistic of the two possibilities is that they didn't think it would be profitable so they sold it and if they really didn't want it to be released they never would have sold it um there's a lot of weird things that go on like you said with people in hollywood and I think when somebody says Hollywood, they think of this group of people that all know each other and they're all commingled. But the realism, the realistic fact behind that is, is it's like saying um, people from Wisconsin, right? There's a lot of dark, fucking dirty people from Wisconsin that do fucked up shit. And there's a lot of really good people in Wisconsin that do great things. 
And just because you're from Wisconsin doesn't mean that you're a dark, fucked up person. And I think it's the same as saying like Hollywood people, right? And so then you start to get into that. And it's like, I heard this um, kind of, I, I, don't, I don't know what you would call him, but he's basically just a, just a, a internet wild man. And if you've ever seen videos of him, he's got his face tattooed. He looks kind of like a clown. And he's got all these wild piercings all over. And he was talking about how he was invited to this, like, this, this, I don't know, I guess, demon party in, in L.A. No, no, it's not Tom McDonald. No, no, his face is tattooed like a clown. Like, he literally looks like a fucking clown. He's he's just a weird dude. But um, he was talking about how he got invited to this Hollywood party. And he's like, it had some of the weirdest shit that I have ever seen. He's like, there was this girl that was like dancing naked on stage and they gave her a numbing injection so that they could cut a piece of meat off of her ass. And then they cooked it and they were eating it. And it was like, whether this is true or not, um, this is the kind of stuff where you hear it. And then you start to demonize everyone in a group and you can't, demonize everyone in a group because yeah there's some dark fucking people that are doing that shit but guess what there's some dark fucking politicians that are doing that shit and there's some dark fucking cops that are doing that shit and there's some dark fucking you know nba players that are doing that shit i don't know that for sure but i could almost bet that there's somebody from every group of people that you that you all of a sudden would think is is untouchable that's doing this this dark shit so all i'm saying with with that explanation is is when you start to talk to somebody, whether they are on the left echo chamber or they are on the right echo chamber, just try to keep a really open mind and understand that part of what you read is going to be true, part of what you hear is going to be true, part of what you talk about is going to be true, but also part of it's going to be complete bullshit. So have a have a, a, a ability to judge and parse through the bullshit to get to the truth. Because really, if we don't get to the truth, we're not able to start actually improving the world for these things because the reason that these things um, are dabbled in or or used as businesses for places like the cartel is because when something's illegal, there's a lot of higher profit margin, right? It's the same with drugs because drugs are illegal and Pfizer can't sell you your heroin. Um, the cartel or the gang gangs or any of these groups with unscrupulous business practices and distribution centers around the United States and uh, cheap workers because they're fucking gang members, right? They dabble in all of these businesses because instead of selling, I don't know, potato chips that you have to buy the potatoes and make the chips and sell them to the grocery store and then the grocery sells them to the, to the people, you literally can import the fucking heroin or import the the sex slaves and then you can sell them at thousands of times the profit that you would have to do for a normal business. So if we can start to regulate or deregulate some of the drug trade and start to treat it as a, I guess, I don't want to say pharmaceutical, but start to treat it as a decriminalized enterprise and then start to follow the money. We can start to take down the groups that 
do partake in these illegal activities. And when we can start to take down the groups that, that do partake in these illegal businesses, then all of a sudden the, the sex trade gets a lot harder. Um, the problem that we're having is, is money buys power and you have people at the absolute top that are running interference for these groups because they are either paid off or they are part of the business model. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a sick model, but it's, I don't know, it's, a, it's where how bad power corrupts is the point where, okay, their moral structure is completely gone. Because, I mean, if, if you really think about it, what happens in prison? If they find out that you're, uh, you've messed with kids, whether you're a pedo or involved in child trafficking, what happens? Oh, you get... The prison population yeah. basically understands. They have a moral code that if, if you mess with kids, because kids can't defend themselves, you mess with them, they'll kill you. And I can't remember what the, it was. This guy, Larry Gasser, Wasser, whatever, it just got, like, stabbed to death. I don't remember that one. But, um... But this is the moral code that they have, and when you think about the people that are in power and involved with this, this is this is the love of money drives you to a point where you don't care about the innocence of children, and this is what you know happens with child trafficking, and not just child trafficking. It's these these pedophiles, man. I'm telling you, with the the handful of pedophiles that we've intervened with, it's just to see who they are. I'm sorry, man. There's there's teachers, there's business folks, there's dudes that work remotely that sit in their home, and unfortunately, uh, these are people that yeah, are either socially awkward, they, you know, or uh, I shouldn't even say that because you know you got a teacher that basically is uh, articulate, but there's got to be something traumatic or shady in their past. That I'm sorry. At this point, yeah, when you're busting them, you're not worried about that that back end psychology. But you know, I mean, you probably can explain it, you know, better. But you know, how do you reverse that? Is it too late at that point? What What do you do with these people? Because right now, the government that we have in Wisconsin and the people that we have in charge, you bust them, and guess what? They're back out on the streets very shortly. So what do you do? Um, first of all, before we get, before I answer my question on there, um, Richie, the barber is the guy. Yeah, I just looked him up. That's the guy. Yeah, that's the guy. So Richie, the barber talking about Hollywood parties. If you just Google Richie, the barber, it's, it's the conversation episode 47, I believe is the right one, but I can't promise because I haven't actually listened to this through this link. So he got invited to Hollywood because he looks like a tattooed clown. Uh, I mean, he, he's from LA, so he, I'm sure he travels right in those groups because if you look like, if you get your face fucking tattooed like a clown, I mean, he looks like he's got his hair shaved like a clown. And oh yeah. And dyed red. Yeah, Jeepers. for sure. So, um, if you guys want to hear him talk about that, it just, just Google, uh, Richie, the barber talks about Hollywood parties, something like that. Uh, Satanism exposed in Hollywood, uh, Richie talking about it now. We do also have the, the, the fact that are we trusting Richie the barber um, and what he says, that there's that possibility too. But um, to get back to your question of what we do with those people, um, here's one 
I'm going to say it's a devil's advocate point, but it's also a real question that we need to think about is, is this a chicken versus egg scenario that someone that has no morals from birth is more likely to become uber powerful and uber successful? So it's not necessarily someone that has lost the morals. It's someone that never had them in the first place is more likely to get to that point where they can be that super powerful person taking advantage of these situations mm-hmm. versus someone that at one point in their life had their shit together, had a moral backbone, and then lost it, and we're going to try to get it back. Do you think anybody is born without morals? Yes. How so? Oh, uh, what do you think? Where do you think your morals come from? Your upbringing. So that right there, you just said it. But somebody could be born without morals. Yeah, if you if they come from your upbringing, that means that you're born without. You're born as a blank slate. Oh, okay. I see what you mean. You see what I mean? Yeah. Okay. I thought you meant you were born like a like a demon or something. No, no, no. I'm saying you're born as a blank slate, and you never develop any sort of moral guideline, moral backbone, moral structure. Yeah. So you are much more likely to, uh, it, it sounds shitty, but you're a lot more likely to succeed because you will fuck over every single person in your way to get to that powerful place. Yeah, you'll push everybody down to lift yourself up. Exactly. And then you get to that powerful place and you all of a sudden have the ability to act on all of these you know, things that are in the back of your mind. And you end up in groups of people, right? So mob mentality is is the same, whether it's a giant mob mobbing a, a store or it's a mob mentality because it's a group of people that are like, oh, how, how much more fucked up can we make this party? Let's yeah. eat a stripper's ass meat. How the fuck do we eat a stripper's ass meat? Well, I don't know. She's not going to want to feel it. So we're going to have to numb her. So Jimmy, the one dude that just started coming and hanging out with us, he's a doctor. So yeah. I bet he can anesthetize her ass. And then he can cut it off. And, and, and Billy, he's a chef. He's a fucking great chef. I bet he'll make it, right? He's like, you're in this fucked up group of people, and it's still a mob mentality. Nobody's raising their hand going, why the fuck are we doing this? Yeah. I don't know, man. So are you going to try to, are you going to, you're, you're not necessarily trying to repair these people's morals. You're literally just trying to fucking teach them. And are you going to teach a 40-year-old man a a moral structure that he's never had it? I bet you can, but man, I bet there's a lot of fucking breakdown before you build him back up. Well, that's uh, why they go to prison and need a better uh, deprogramming uh, program. Because right now, prison is really just a spot to park them. Because we've we've privatized the majority of our prison system. It's not about rehabilitation. It's not about building up a moral backbone or or, or any sort of... um, of of rehab, it's park, literally parking for six to nine months and then they get out again. Yeah, even worse. So I guess that's a totally different topic that we need to get into. Is 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 what do we need to do with? Is each? It's almost that each crime needs to have the psychological underpinnings of that crime figured out. And then we need to repair the damage that that person has that caused them to get to that place, right? Because 
there's a lot of people that that do fucked up shit, but there's a majority of those people that do that fucked up shit because they're literally just trying to survive or they're addicted to drugs. Right. Right. And that's a totally different rehab than somebody that has zero morals and is partaking in this sort of fucked up shit. Right. Yeah. So gosh, when you're talking about eating ass meat, that's like one extreme. So, but if you go further upstream, so how do you think this ties to what's been happening now? You know, the media is not reporting a lot of it, but you know, this is something that we have to keep an eye on in, in the groups that I'm in is there's with the trans movement, there's been a huge declaration that basically women have no right to privacy at this point, right? You've seen what happened in Loudoun City or Loudoun County, Virginia. So when a trans student entered a girl's bathroom and then assaulted a chick, or assaulted the girl, sorry, they moved him to another school and then the same thing happened there. And then Irvine, California, which is a place I'm real familiar with, trans, trans entered a girl's locker room, flashed the girls there with his junk, and then uh, when they um, confronted him about it, he mercilessly beat the shit out of him. And then Ohio, trans dude, enters a locker room, flashed little girls. This is an older dude. And the judge let him off because the reason was, and quote this, is he was too fat to see anything. And then same thing happened in Gwinnett County, Georgia recently, Oklahoma City. So this is a, the trend line is going up. So the weird thing here is, is I would like to start to break down what this has to do with this is a weird thing to say, but mm-hmm. I don't know how much this has to do with the idea of trans versus someone that is mentally ill and what the differences between those two things are. Because just because someone has gender dysphoria and is transgender doesn't mean that they are also the type of person that's going to walk in a locker room and flash a bunch of girls. And it's the same on the other side of that statement. Just because someone is not trans doesn't mean that they are not going to have the mental illness that makes it o- them think it's okay to walk into a locker room and flash a bunch of girls. It's not like there is a, a, a card swiper yeah. on the outside of that locker room that you have to pretend you're trans to get the card to walk into the women's locker room and do it. Yeah. Right. Does that, does that make sense? That, that point of like, yeah, yes, it is. We can't generalize that, you know, because you're trans also, and you're going to commit a crime. Yes. I'm, I'm looking at the portion. I mean, let's take it another step further is what's happening in prisons right now. Right. So you got the sex offenders. What happens when they go to prison is now they're declaring that they're trans so that they can be moved to a female prison. So it's the it's it's the societal it's the societal um apology apologization that's not a fucking word at all just made that up don't yeah, use that with that uh don't use that somebody will tell you you're a fucking idiot um it's the societal acceptance it's the societal acceptance of mental illness um Which with is, with yeah. the with the 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 costume of a transgender right I put on this co- I, I'm mentally ill. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, a, a sex offender. I'm a pedophile. I'm a, whatever you call somebody that likes to flash people, whatever that is. Yeah. And the way that I'm going to get accepted into society is to put on this costume 
of a trans person because I know that that will get me. Um, what is that word? That will get me basically accepted by society. That's not the fucking right word. They will feel bad for me. They will whatever. We got to move on. Apathetic but, or something. I don't know. Apathetic. Maybe, maybe they will get me apathy from society. Um, but it's basically like, it's like, it's like a get out of jail free card. But yeah. that the weird thing is, is you have to be a dynamic enough of an individual to see that someone that is sick, that is using that as a card does not take away from someone that is completely normal other than the fact that they have gender dysphoria or they want to dress like the opposite sex and be treated like the opposite sex. That does not, those are two different people and you can't lump them together in one big fucking basket. Yeah. We need to approach the societal way that we are handling the situation, not the group of people. We need to attack Sports Illustrated or whoever fucking, whoever put, didn't want to let the swimmer stand up for the tie because she was a biological female and the transgender female tied her and they said, you need to sit down. Um, we're going to hand the trophy to her, right? The, the, the transgender yeah. female that is not on that person. That is on the group that came up with that fucked up idea. Yeah. It is on the Miss Universe pageant. Miss Netherlands, Mr. Netherlands, Mr. Netherlands. It's we need to hold the Miss Universe pageant accountable for their decisions, not hold the contestant from the Netherlands accountable for the pageant's decisions. This is where we're fucking up is we're saying we're saying you are fucked up because you're getting treated like this. No, it's the people that are doing the treating that are fucking up and and it's the. It's the prison board or whoever. I don't know how that works, but it's the prison board by saying, oh, you're trans, you are, you're claiming transgender. Now you can get moved to this other prison. Um, it's the way they're handling the situation that is fucked up, not the one out of a hundred of the people that maybe are actually in prison that are transgender, really. Right. Right. So right. we need to look at the way that society is handling the situation and the way the people in charge are handling the situation and almost using the situation, using the situation to manipulate the population versus the actual people who it's benefiting. I mean, would you say this is, you know, what we talked about is uh, what we want to talk about in the podcast was perception versus reality. I mean, the, yeah, we might as well just get right into that because uh, and we'll just, we'll evolve. We'll, 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 ev we'll evolutionize into the next one, but yeah, let's just get into that. I mean, the, the statement in my head is, I tell people as well, ultimately, you are not who you pretend to be. You can't be. But you are who you are. What would you say of that statement? I would say I want to add one asterisk after that statement, which we talked about, I know, when we were talking about this podcast topic. Yeah. But you are who you are right now. And who you are, I'm going to use pretending, but that's not the right word for this situation, who you would like to be in the future sets your, your, your 
destination map, your, your directions of the way that you are moving in the future, right? You can be a poor kid from the suburbs with two parents, uh, one that you don't know and one doesn't give a fuck. And you can, you, you are still that poor kid, but that doesn't stop you from looking at that million dollar house and the perfect relationship with 2.5 kids and a dog. And that is your goal. That is the direction that you are heading, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't make you that person today. Yeah. It's the idealism. Yeah. That's a good asterisk. That's your idealism versus reality. Yes. What I'm, you know, okay. When we want to get to strip down to the basics here, you know, you, you told me about furries, right? Yeah, I can't believe that I had to tell you about that, but yeah. But, you know, whether it's a furry or whether you are a male that all of a sudden is like, well, really, I was born a male, but I should be a female. I mean, it's, it's, that's not what it is. I mean, you're going to have cock and balls, and if you're born with them, you're going to have them. That's who you are. You know, you can't pretend to be a woman because no matter what you do, scientifically, you're still going to be a male, right? Yeah. You, you can alter it all you want. But your chromosomes are still going to be, that's what a male is defined as, right? Yep. So you can't pretend your whole life to be something else. I mean, I would like to pretend that, yeah, I'm a, you know, 280-pound linebacker in the pros, but no matter how much I pretend, I'm not going to be that 280-pound linebacker in the pros. So you have to kind of, this is this is what you're given. This is what you, you have, and now you... You have to build off of that. So we've so gotten away from that. It's it's interesting because those two examples, yes, you're what, 50, 51? 51, yeah. 51. Okay, so yeah, realistically at 51, how likely is it that you could put on 50 pounds and become a professional linebacker? Or what did you say, linebacker or lineman? Linebacker. Okay, linebacker. How likely is that? Really fucking really, not, yeah. really unlikely, but it's possible. Uh, but I'm way past. I'm you, way past that. You, you know, you probably stage. you probably are. But I'm just saying that there is a fucking a grain of possibility there that if you had perfect genetics and you wanted to do that right now, there's a grain of possibility that it could be. Okay, what if I wanted to be a cat? Okay, there you go. See, that's totally different. So that's what I wanted to say. Is I wanted to say your two examples. I separate those two examples. Okay. Because you had one example that has with a chance the, that, that there has a chance with the most perfect genetics and the plan and everything, there is a fucking chance that you could do it. Is it likely? No, but there's a fucking grain of possibility. So, uh, Versus well, you becoming a cat is is impossible. All right, so let's you know take this the next step further. Is okay, Paul. I come up to you one day, you know, at the gym, like Paul. I think I'm a woman. What the hell would you say to me? I would say Martin. You may be a feminine male, but biologically you're a male and your tendencies and your traits and everything else can be feminine. And that's okay, man. What can I do to help you feel more like you? Like a woman? Like you. Oh. You're separating, you're separating male and female. No, you're separating male and female from feminine and masculine. Mm -hmm. Right? So that's what we're doing here is, is you are saying I think I'm a woman and I'm saying biologically that's not accurate. You can't be a woman, but you can be an extremely feminine male and that is okay. Right. 
which I know a few of those and that, that's fine. They're just more, what do you call it, effeminate males? Effeminate. Effeminate males. Yeah. So, okay. And so. th- but there's, there, that is a spectrum, right? If you want to say effeminate male, right? We'll use that as an example. Be careful with that word, spectrum. There's what do you a, mean by spectrum? I'm spec, but the actual fucking definition of spectrum. Yeah. The definition of spectrum would be there is a range, a very, very wide range. And when I say you can be an effeminate male and that's okay, Martin, I mean you can be anywhere on that range. You can be a mostly look like a man, mostly talk like a man, but you are you know, a little bit more feminine when it comes to your ideals and you take really good care of your skin and nails and hair and you care more than the average male. That's completely okay. Or you could be on the far fucking side of that, Martin, where you start wearing a dress and heels and shaving your body and growing out your hair. And that's okay too, because I like you as a fucking human being and your mind. And if you start dressing like a chick, that's cool. You'd be a pretty fucking ugly chick. I'm not going to lie, <laughs> but that's okay too. And that's the spectrum of effeminate male. And we have to realize that that entire spectrum is still just an effeminate male. That's not the further you get on that spectrum. You don't all of a sudden become a woman. Well, that's, that's pretty fucking good because I don't have any inkling to want to become a woman <coughs> because I really appreciate he says that women. Now. I just don't want to be one. <laughs> yeah, I'd be the gay. I'd be the biggest lesbian ever. <laughs> That's what it would be. Is like, good lord, yeah. Which is in in that right? Then then we we have to separate. We separate gender, right? Biological gender. Mm-hmm. We separate uh, tendencies, right? Masculine versus versus feminine. But then we also have to separate sexuality after that. Yeah, because you are then going to have you know maybe you're the trifecta. Maybe you're a biological male, right, who Mm -hmm. is very effeminate. So you're a biological male with effeminate tendencies, but then you're also gay because you like men, right? So that that sexuality is a whole nother step on top of that. And And those are okay, too. I don't care if you're gay or you're straight or you're bisexual. I don't care. But if you are a biological male that acts effeminate, that likes cock, you're gay. That's okay. Nothing wrong with that. Yes, I know. I do know some of those, so they definitely uh, said they have their strengths based on, you know, the type of people they are. So, but they accept where they are. They're not pretending to be somebody else. And that's awesome. That's like one of the coolest things is to see someone that is, and I, I have a, I have this draw to people that are just being unapologetically them fucking selves. Like we were at a wedding last night and this fucking chick that was there with the DJ had this, like, it looked like she went into her barber and she was like, Hey bro, give me the whole, I just stuck my finger in a fucking outlet look. And he was like, I got you fam. Cause she had this like white, like, wow, like pow hair, like straight up in the air hair with this one, like black, like, like whoosh in the middle. And I was like, Whoa, look at her fucking hair. But then later as the night goes on, I'm like, that's pretty fucking cool. She's just like, she doesn't give a fuck what people think. She's just being herself. Kind of picture. She she looked like the, um, what is that? Young Frankenstein? Kind of, but way shorter. It was only like this long. 
Oh, okay. My fingers, you, you guys are listening to pot. It was like three, four inches long, like straight spiked up, like white blonde, not even blonde, but that like silver hair with like a black swoosh. It was, I don't know. It was interesting, but it was like, I gravitate hmm. towards people that are just being unapologetically them fucking selves. And they're just not giving a fuck what other people think. And the more I veer towards those people, the more I'm just almost physically grossed out by the people whose egos are so fucking big that they are trying to be everything everybody else wants them to be. And they can't even really be who they are because those people have no substance. Right. I think that would be a spot on. Cause I think we, we look at, you know, what's happening in the transgenderism and we're just like, or even like the furries or whatever that, the hell that is because i've never met a person who's a furry um you probably have and you just don't know because they're not like furries in public furries in public isn't that what it's supposed to be um no i think a lot of furries i think furry stuff is still pretty like cloak behind closed doors oh really i don't know you're acting like i know a bunch of furries like i hang out with them and have beers with them on the one who introduced me to i'm like I don't know. They look like a bunch of mascots running around. Then I hear there's some kids that want to be cats at school, so they need a litter box. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I've never actually met like a real furry either. I would love to meet one and just talk to him and be like, what's going on in your brain? But the realistic thing is, is if you're in fucking high school and you think you're a furry, you're probably just a damaged individual that needs attention. Yeah. Right. And realistically, if you're a 35 year old furry, you're probably also just a damaged individual that needs attention. But you found your tribe. Right, yeah. like, oh, exactly. I mean, another uh, point with the "you're not who you pretend to be" is is just what you're alluding to. Is that yeah? There's there's people out there that aren't themselves. That yeah, they could look like they're normal, but the problem is they're trying to be what people think they are, and that's a uh, you know, I don't know if affluence the right word, but you know, driving the right car. You know that. The thing that bothered me for decades is uh, this pursuit of the white picket fence. Got to have the biggest house, got to have a certain car, and then it's just this never-ending want to be something else. And you're just using your resources to create this persona that's not even yourself because you're just, what, want to impress people? And then the older you get, you realize it's like, hey, none of that stuff matters. So it's not about pretending to be, you know, a different gender, but it's also just completely pretending to be somebody that you're not. I think that'll be the coolest thing when we get to the point where virtual reality is, um, is as real, is real enough that we can't disseminate the difference between it and real reality. That's going to be the coolest thing is at, at fucking at 20 years old, or let's say 27, because the prefrontal cortex is finally developed at 27. At yeah. 27, you're going to be able to sit in an all-immersive you know, um, rig, and you're going to go into a life where you have enough money to buy everything that you've ever wanted, and you can live you know, a year or two years like that in five minutes while you're in this fucking immersive experience, and yeah. you're going to see that you're just as hollow and just as empty as you ever have been. And you don't have to spend your entire life chasing that dream. And you can get out of it at, you know, 20, 27 years old in five minutes or 27 years old in 30 minutes. And you can go, oh, fuck, I am going down the wrong path. I need to start finding substance and I need to start finding what really matters to me because 
I saw that five years worth of enough money to buy anything I've ever wanted still has me just as hollow as I ever have been. Well, so what you're saying is you're hoping the virtual reality will help people realize that sooner. Yeah, for by sure. Being, you know, by being able to simulate what it would be like to have all that. Yeah, for sure. Well, I don't know. Is there is there a program? Have you heard anything that? No, we're not to the we're not to that point yet. Where where you because right now, um, you can you know the difference, right? Yeah. It, it, you you clearly know the difference. So you can still you can still lie to yourself and say, well, really owning that McLaren is way cooler than driving it in the VR world, right? Because it, it'll, it'll be totally different. It'll be way cooler, you know? And you can still bullshit yourself into thinking that it's going to give you something that it's never going to fucking give you versus once, once you're in that experience and yeah. what you're going to have to do is there's going to have to be some sort of a programming where it goes in and during the entire experience, you don't know you're in virtual reality. It like turns off the knowledge of you being in virtual reality so that you'd experience it like it's real life. Yeah. And then immediately when you come out, then you have the memory of, of everything that happened. And you also realize you're in virtual reality, Jeez. right? Yeah, you're talking about some space age uh, I mean, we're not, fiction stuff going yeah, on. Yes, we're a ways away, but we're not that far away. And all of a sudden, you know, I think Rogan was talking about this with Michu Kaku and they were talking about, and, and Joe is a smart guy, but he also completely gets some things wrong where I want to like jump through the fucking speakers and be like, Joe, you're completely missing this fucking point. And he was like, well, you don't think that when you can go and have a, like a bear, a bear attack, right? Where you like make it out. He's like, you don't think people are going to, are going to want to do that in virtual reality. and um, Michu Kaku's like, no, I wouldn't want to do that in virtual reality. Keep me away from the bears. And Joe's like, Joe's like, yeah, but you would still know it's virtual reality. So it's going to be a totally different experience. Well, he completely misses the point that if we are to the point where we can technologically have a virtual reality, that that's, that's that real. Yeah. We're also going to have the ability to make you know, not know that you're in virtual reality. Jeez. So that experience is going to be exactly the same. And when you come out of it, you're going to have all those memories and you're going to grow the same and evolve the same and change the same internally because you don't know that it's virtual reality until after. And that's where simulation theory comes from. What if we're at that point right now yeah. where you and I are really just in this virtual reality, you're not even real, or maybe I'm not even real. And this is all just a, this is, this is really five minutes worth of, of living that you're, this is you're in a virtual reality right now. And it's trying to teach you something of how to live. And really you're just a 27 year old kid that's in a fucking pod right now and you're going to come out and really you've lived 70 years or 80 years in five minutes or 30 minutes or an hour. And you're going to come out of that with all those life experiences that you had and all of those lessons that you've learned. And you're going to come out the backside that much better of a human being. Yeah. It's something like the matrix dude, where they uh, basically start. So it, it put, is putting the program tapes in and boom, all of a sudden they learn it like, Two minutes. So it is the exact same idea behind what the matrix is. It's just whether the government runs the 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 experience or whether it's crowdsourced and group funded and ran by the entire population so that it can't be manipulated. Yeah. Right. And you know the the whole idea behind the matrix. You remember the the idea behind the matrix? Why they had humans in the matrix? 
wasn't it to uh, fight the... They used them for power. Fire. They were a power source generation. So they were, you, were basically a, you were basically a battery. And you lived your life in this matrix because it kept you alive. Oh, that part, yeah. And then they yeah. used you as basically a battery to power the real world. And the thing is, is once, once nuclear fusion becomes reality, mm-hmm. that entire need goes away. Because that is sustainable power to power the entire earth from very few natural resources and we don't need human batteries anymore. So then all of a sudden that draw to keep people stuck in the matrix or stuck in virtual reality is gone. Yeah. Gosh, man. I mean, I look at this as... You know, we have all this distraction and all the politics going on. And I don't know, when I think about it, it's not really about two parties. You know, it's, this isn't, life isn't about Republican Democrats anymore. It's more like those people that are neurotic versus those who are living in reality. And, and I think there's reality, there, and, and to, to be clear, I guess, I don't know if you're thinking this, but I think that there's people living in reality on the right side and people living in reality on the left side and oh, there's yeah. and there's neurotics on the right side and neurotics on exactly, the left side yeah it's just it, it it's the the two-party system forces us into a lesser of two evils type of 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 philosophy just like we talked yesterday about or or last week when you said you know i like rfk but i have to also realize the realistic point of if a democrat gets in office he gets to put a bunch of people in place that think like democrats right Right. And it's that it's that two party lesser of two evils fucked up system that we that we're forced into. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, you got RFK who is I mean, he's got a lot of great points, great person um, that could make a lot of difference. But I think our government is fractured into these. You know, you're either one or the other. You're either on team this or team that. Um, Where I think bottom line is that some point we all look at our population, say. You know, do we have a bunch of, you know, neurotics? And I'm using that word because, you know, one of the main characteristics of people that are neurotic is what? They're dissatisfied with themselves and their lives. So what do they do? They pretend to be other stuff or they go into this whole drone life of um, what we keep talking about is uh, um, keep entertaining themselves. Dopamine. Yeah. So it's almost like watching the Matrix, except you got people that plug themselves into this picture a computer. They plug themselves in so that they can just feed themselves, you know, dopamine, whether it's, you know, sitting on their phone, on social media, uh, food, um, you know, constantly planning things. They got to have things going on in their lives all the time so that they don't sit down and have to, you know, really think about how their life is or do any self-reflection. And then... Then you have the people that live in reality, which I don't know, it's seems to be fewer and far between. And it's starting to feel like the three percent. You ever watch that you ever watch that show House of Cards? No. Okay. So I, I've watched a few times, whatever. This has nothing to do with the actual show. It's the it's the, the, the name of the show House of Cards. Because I feel like as we talk about our political system, um, it really is a house of cards because if you look at, let's say you look at a, at a, at a house built out of playing cards and mm-hmm. each of those playing cards 
is a structural imbalance, right? We can't slowly start to fix each one of those individual playing cards because the minute you pull one out, the whole fucking thing falls. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's where we're at with this two-party system. I think that everybody leans on everybody else and, and needs everyone else inside the system to keep leaning on them that we can't just slowly start to fix one piece by one piece. I think it's got to be rebuilt from, you know, a, a, bo a bottom up. So do you just blast the whole system and try to rebuild it? Um, that's also a fucked up because that means yeah. we literally go into anarchy and then rebuild from the ground up. But, you know, there's also a possibility when you look at a building or somebody that buys a property with a house on it that they don't really want to live in. Yeah. You can live in that house while you build the better house. So yeah. how do we build that better future and build that better system while we're also still counting on the original system? Yeah, I mean, there's there's some really good folks out there that are saying is, you know, sometimes when you got to rebuild, what do you need to do when you have so many factions is to bring all the factions together and say, hey, what's what do we have in common? I mean, when you bring people together that disagree on a lot of things, like if I'm you know, have sit in a room with a liberal and uh, and a conservative. What do you say? We all care about kids, right? You know, we all yeah. care about life, right? I mean, we all care about certain things we can agree on. There's a certain moral code or standard that I think people can sit down and say, "Hey, let's start here," and then build on that. You know, we might might have different levels of things, but I think for the most part, I mean, we all think murder is wrong. I hope. Yeah, I would think so. You know, we all think raping a child is wrong. Although the weird thing is when you talk about um, all thinking that murder is wrong, yeah. um, there is a weird, like, it, it's almost okay to talk about um, conservative politicians being murdered, right? You remember when Scott Walker was oh, like geez. when Scott Walker was uh, yeah, was extreme, was basically right? busting was basically busting the teachers union. Yeah. And I mean you literally had people that gave their lives every day to help kids that were talking about fucking killing the governor of Wisconsin. And it was like how did wait, hold on. Where did you get so detached from reality that you thought that it was okay to say something like that about any human being? Yeah. Well, I would say that those people that are, you know, quote helping kids I think are part of the neurotic individuals that you know what there's definitely things in their lives that aren't put together and nothing against teachers. I mean, I have a child that's in school yet, but you know, when I look at the lives and I don't know if this is a good or bad example, you know, you tell me is, um, you know, there's been talk the last couple of weeks is like, yeah, when you hire people, sometimes you have to look at their, what they look like, what their physical appearance is. So a lot of times the actual, Having the interview on site is important. I think that that's what the subject was about that I was in. And because when somebody comes in and they exude confidence because, yeah, they're, they've taken care of themselves, they're in shape, it tells you, yeah, yeah, we've talked about in the past podcasts uh, recently also, is, you know, they show that they're, they have self-discipline. You know, they show that they can be consistent. They show that they can go out of their box and be uncomfortable. And the list is long that you can see. But when I see a lot of teachers locally and that I know is like, uh, I don't see a lot of that self-discipline. I don't see, I see everybody that could side on this side where you got these crazy people with the freaking blue hair 
you know, out of shape, screaming at people and wanting everybody to, you know, pretend that they're, you know, cats or something. So I don't know that you can really say that these people would be the right people to have in a room that say that, uh, oh, yeah, we agree that murder is wrong. I think they're in the neurotic section. That's fair. I think that there's a weird thing in this. This is a totally different, but just to dig into that little bit of point is nurses, which are amazing people, are almost always out of shape. And I think it's a lifestyle thing because of their hours that they work, because of the stress that they work, because... You know, they, they, it's really easy to eat junk food in the hospital. A lot nurse, of them smoke, too. Nurses are almost always out of shape, but that doesn't make them any worse of a nurse. But they're taught to, I mean, the medical professions, uh, break fix education. So they're taught to, in this situation, this is how you deal with it, right? But these aren't, you know, right? These aren't, these aren't doctors. These are just nurses. They're, they're yeah. there to make sure that you're taking your pills and, and, and getting your, your medications and your, they're doing their, your, your vitals and shit like that. Right. So like their job. So if you were to judge them by their physical appearance, you could completely disregard probably some of the best nurses that would be for the job because it seems to be a issue in the nursing community period. Yeah. But if you were, stuck in the hospital because of a health issue, would you have more confidence in the nurse that comes in that looks like they're very well put together? Or they come in and they smell like, you know, a five-day stale cigarette and completely out of shape? What would go through your mind? I think that my judgment is less on the shape and more on their overall appearance more like do they take care of their hygiene versus poor hygiene not necessarily their bmi and and i can understand that because yeah their bmi could be high but they could be in currently you know hitting the gym and you know making a change but if they're going home and dropping cheetos and you know stinking like a still cigarette i would say that i would be less confident and especially asking questions about my health. Obviously, you know, saving that for the doctor, but I'd be a little less confident in that nurse uh, um, taking care of me. That's a weird one. I think that it's very much, um, I think it's more important. This is the weird thing is, I think it's, I think that judgment that you're making is more important in a work from home society than it is a work from the office society. You think so? Yeah. Yeah, it's- because I think in a work from home society, you're you're you need to be self driven mm-hmm. and self motivated and, and self accountable, versus in an office situation, you're there and there's nothing else you can really do, so you're just going to get your work done. You might do it better than somebody else, you might do it worse than somebody else, but you're there from nine to five, and you, it's not like you can sit there nine to five and and you know do your laundry and go out to lunch with friends and stuff like that. Like you're there. Yeah. So in a work from home population i think that that judgment call that you're talking about is even more important yeah yeah i'm just trying to think of like a personal situation maybe that i can draw from but the only thing i've dealt with is a phlebotomist when you get the entry-level phlebotomist that tries to uh put the iv in you 
and they don't quite understand the why of what they're doing. They just know what they need to do and they just go through these steps and then they wonder why it's like, oh, I'm not getting, you know, a good draw from your vein. Well, you know, I've had a few situations where I'm like, yeah, as a, as a corpsman, it's like, well, I understand what I need to do in a time of, you know, time of trauma. It's kind of, uh, but we talked about the other day with the the perception versus reality thing, right? We need to get we need to we need to evolve this perception versus reality topic because we are at an hour. Uh, that seemed like a great spot to break this recording up into two episodes. The rest of the idea that we are developing right here will be developed next week at the beginning of the episode, and then we will evolve that into the process of learning and how to learn new traits. Uh, breaking down the science and also the actionable steps. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Uh, tune back in next week for the rest of the recording. Thanks. <laughs>